You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agro-Tourism for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agro-Tourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode coming to you from Blanchard, Oklahoma today to talk about making wine. Uh, Frank D'Angelo is on the podcast with me today to talk about his winery. Mate, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, glad to be here. Yeah. Just, just finished picking blackberries a couple hours ago. It's just wearing my butt out, that I can tell you. Yeah, no doubt, especially in this heat, right? Well, you know what? You get up early. You got to get up early. I love blackberry season. My blackberries, I have um, trellised, thornless, and I'd like to humorly say chiggerless blackberries because mm-hmm. they're trellised. Now, if you ever pick the wild blackberry, you got to go out into the field and there are these big groves of bushy thorn blackberries. When we first moved to Blanchard, you'd almost have to wear a space suit. And you'd tape your arms and uh, your ankles and your wrists up and you'd go out and you'd pick and you'd hope you didn't get chiggers, but you still got chiggers. Mm -hmm. But you had to deal with the thorns. Now, my blackberries are fortunately thornless and chiggerless. So it's fun. But I have only three employees, as I told you earlier, me, myself and I get up around six, pick until I can pick no more. And uh, then I do the rest of my business. Yeah. So let's let's go all the way back then. Where where does you know where does life start for you? Are you born and raised Oklahoman? Kind of. Well, a- I'll tell you what. Both my parents uh, were born in Italy, so I'm first generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they were uh, they were born in uh, or lived in a place called Reggio di Calabria, which is a little city right before you get into Sicily. And uh, they came over right after World War II, and we moved to Rochester, New York, where we, uh, where I spent most of my days growing up and going to high school. But anyways, uh, interestingly enough, um, I wrestled in, uh, in New York. I was a wrestler. I, uh, I was a two-time New York State champion, and I got a full scholarship to Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, and I moved out here and have never went back. Just stayed. Yeah. A lot of athletes do that. It's interesting. You see athletes that come in from all over the country, and a lot of them end up staying here in Oklahoma. I don't know why, but they do. So, but uh, my dad was making wine in our basement when I was a little toddler, and uh, he would. We would have these fifty-gallon wooden barrels. And he'd buy the grapes and he'd take me and my two brothers and he'd throw us into the barrel uh, stocking feet and we'd just start stomping away. And that's how I got my first experience making wine. Uh, when we came to Oklahoma, I started making wine for myself. Uh, and everybody kept saying, man, why don't you sell it? Why don't you sell it? 
So finally, God, it's been eight years now, eight years. Uh, finally got all my permits and everything, and we got uh, hooked up. Oh, I, we were actually living in a double-wide mobile office trailer. That's, I worked for a company called G Capital Modular Space. So while we were building our house here on the property, we're on 17 acres, we were living in that double-wide. And once we had the house completed, I was looking at that double-wide going, well, what am I going to do with it? So I turned it into a winery. So it's not a big winery, but we got a nice little uh, tasting uh, table and, you know, people could come in, sit up, pull up to the pull up to the bar and taste different wines and do different things. And it's been it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think I'm retired, but I'm not. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Right. You enjoy what you do. So but you're right. It's probably really hard work. And what was um. When, what was what was your kind of journey and your experience coming to OU like to wrestle? Well, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> well, if um, if you're an Italian coming to the University of Oklahoma, uh, most of the guys on my team immediately thought that I came in from New York City. So it was that old thing. Are you from New York City? No, I'm from upstate New York. And if you're from upstate New York, which is right, Rochester's right underneath Lake Ontario. Mm -hmm. And um, it's countryside. We lived across from an orchard. Uh, We were on 10 acres. Uh, My dad forced me to build a farm and do farm markets. So, and I swore that I would never do that when I got older, but here I am doing it. So, but yeah, it was funny. Uh, A lot of people just didn't know what to think of an Italian coming from New York. And, you know, interestingly enough, that was in, uh, I aged myself. I just turned 65 on July 11th. But, uh, you know, we went through that Iran crisis uh, we had a lot of uh, difficult relationships with uh, with that country. And a lot of people mistook me for an Iranian. And uh, if you know all the cliche, unfortunate terms that go along with being called something of an Iranian. But uh, that took care of itself. Fortunately, I was a good wrestler and young and those people learned very quickly not to call me those names again. So, so after a few weeks or months, people were going, no, don't, don't mess with that guy. Don't, don't say anything he wouldn't like you to say. So, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it was that, but you know what? Typically the people here in Oklahoma are great. They're, they're friendly, they're outgoing and the university of Oklahoma, both uh, my Wife graduated from the University of Oklahoma. My son, uh, who I forced into wrestling at six years of age, uh, became a three-time state champion here in Oklahoma. And he followed me to the University of Oklahoma on the full scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he graduated a couple of years ago. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been an adventure. It's been an adventure. No doubt. Yeah. So, so, and, uh, so, so anyways, the, as far as the, the wine goes, I had a friend of mine that just moved to Blanchard and he was selling his property in Tecumseh and he had a small vineyard and we met 
and became friends and, you know, being both wine guys, uh, he said, you know, the, the people that are buying my home, they want nothing to do with grapes. He goes, let's go dig them up. You can plant them. And these grapes were, you know, some of them were seven, eight years old. So we had to get a backhoe. We pulled them all up, moved them over here, planted them and got my vineyard going. Then I also started planting my own grapes. I put some Cabernet, some Pinot Noir, some Riesling, Oklahoma Riesling. Then a good friend of mine, which I hate to this day, called me up and said, Frank, I have a lot of blackberries. Why don't you come and grab some blackberries? So blackberries are the most prolific plants that I know. Once you plant one, those son of a guns will just keep growing. They propagate like mice. So they just keep going. And every year the new shoots would come up and I'd look at them and I'd go, I, I just can't kill those things. And I put a new row of blackberries in the next year. New shoots came up and I'd look at him. My wife is going, Frank, what are you doing, man? You're already too busy. I plant another row of blackberries. And uh, so now I got bunches of rows of blackberries and the vineyard and about five acres that I have to mow consistently, like one week to the next. And um, that's my life. Yeah, that's my life. Though I catch a lot of crap from my wife, which I shouldn't because Typically, I will be at the winery making wine and she'll call me up and she'll go, Frank, are you doing quality control testing again? And I would say, yes, honey, I have to do quality control testing. That's part of the you know, process of making sure you got good wine. Of course, sometimes I might overindulge a little bit, but that's, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. You're right. Call you got to do quality control. Got to do quality. I actually made uh, last year. I made a batch. I grew. I grew sweet potatoes, and I had sweet potatoes as big as my head. And I had a, my friend Greg, who you know talked me into taking his vines. He said, "You know, we can make sweet potato wine." So I made a big, it was a very complicated process because you got to peel the potatoes, boil the potatoes, then go through the fermentation process. Well, I was as a astute man of wine, quality control testing this sweet potato wine. And my wife came home one day and I was in the middle of the hallway kind of on my back passed out and that particular sweet potato wine wasn't wine it was moonshine <laughs> so i uh, she told me to get rid of it very quickly which i ended up giving most of it away so but i had i had some customers that as i was selling it i had a group of customers come in and they tasted it and they bought all of it and they said, make some more of that. And I said, I don't think I'm going to get past my wife on that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you know what? You can make wine out of anything. Really. I just made a batch of persimmon wine uh, just recently. And, and these are wild persimmons. They're not like the big ones you see at the store. They're little baby persimmons. And if you take a bite into one of those, when they're not totally ripe, you will pucker up like nothing. I mean, it's just very sour and springent. And, but 
I made it back to wine. It came out pretty good. And unfortunately, it's also moonshine. But I have my wife yet. It's <laughs> rocket fuel. <laughs> I haven't told my wife yet. So yeah. keep that between us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, listening to you speak and talk about kind of dad making wine and then kind of, you know, living on kind of Latin, you know, acreage from a young age. This is just kind of a product of your upbringing, isn't it? Like something that you yeah. naturally grown around and it's no, it's natural to you. It's normal. It's you're comfortable around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just something I've, like I said, I remember working in our garden when I was eight years old. You know, my dad gave me the shovel and he said, come on, turn the dirt. When I get home, we'll do some planting. So I'm in the garden. I'll, you know, my summers, unlike most kids that were at the pond or at the pool, my summers were spent there on that acreage taking care of that farm. That's why uh, I swore I would never do it again. But here I am. Yeah. I also swore that I, if I had a son, he wouldn't wrestle. Yeah. And there yeah. you go. So yeah. Everything Is he comes on. Same passion for wine that you do. Um, he now, he, you know, he's not, he might at some point, he's actually now a wrestling coach mm -hmm. at one of the big high schools here in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Okay. And he's also a history teacher. So the funny thing is he also, when he, uh, when he finally graduated, uh, he got into MMA and he fought six or seven fights, won all of them. And he's getting ready to do it. He's 28 years old. He's getting ready to fight a UFC guy uh, that has a 17 and five record on August 6th, which my wife and I deplore. Tell him, why are you doing this? He goes, because I can. That's right. why. So, yeah, but he not into it. I think I think I have a niece that may be taking over for me, though. She, I'm breaking her in slowly. Yeah. She's the one that's got the shovel now, not you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So t tell me about the, the wine you make in specific then. Do you kind of make it in small batches? Do you have a good wines that you kind of. Yeah, you know, uh, unlike the typical winery that most people might envision in their minds, you don't walk in and you're not going to see 100 gallon vats, you know, that are brewing wine. Um, I work mostly with 10, 20 uh, gallon buckets. And I make all my wine. I do have a uh, crusher destemmer. I have, you know, my presses, uh, but I make them in small batches. Uh, this last year, I finally grew some muscadine grapes, which is a, a southern grape. If you've ever, ever seen the muscadine, they're big, they're huge. Um, and I made a batch of those. And yeah, and, and you know, I also do, here in Oklahoma, they really really like sweet wines. So I end up having to buy fruit juices from different distributors. So I have like raspberry wine, blueberry wine, cherry wine, blackberry wine. Of course, I got blackberry wine. I'm like the Forrest Gump of blackberries. If, I, if it can be done with a blackberry, I've done it. Yeah. We've actually made blackberry salsa this last season. Um, but yeah, so I'll make small batches. I'll get, I'll buy the juices and I'll make those and um, try to have a little bit of something for everybody. You know, I'm in two stores. Uh, I have two real estate companies that that buy my wine and we've created a label 
where they have their logo on it, but my information at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then basically the, the label says something like, uh, have a toast of wine on, in, in your new house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, as you know, the housing market has been going crazy. Oh, so yeah. they show up every other week. Hey, we need another case of wine. We need another case of wine. I'm going, man, I, if it was Kool-Aid, I'd be in great shape because just take some water, throw some stuff in there, <laughs> be in good shape. But uh, wine doesn't happen overnight. Uh, most of these, uh, the Cabernets, the Pinot Noirs, really from start to finish, take at least a year, mm-hmm. at least a year. Uh, you can do it a little bit earlier, but, it, uh, you know, to get good wine, you want it to bottle for at least a year. And But most of my wine is meant to be drank. I mean, you know, you get it, make it, drink it. Yeah. There you go. I don't have I don't have caves around here in, in Oklahoma. Plus, you couldn't get down in this rock hard clay dirt anyways. But uh, yeah, so I got a little wine room that I keep the temperature at around 66 degrees. That's where I keep all my bottles. And then I have a fermenting room where I, you know, do all my ferment, fermenting and that kind of stuff. And it's just a, just a daily process and just keep on doing it. Yeah. Do you have events and stuff as well? Do people come out and, and taste? Oh, yeah. I, you know, um, I have small parts because it's not a big place. Mm-hmm. So, but I have had, <laughs> last year I had a party bus that showed up. They called me out. Said, hey, we got a party bus. We want to come by. We're doing a, a wine tour. And I didn't ask enough questions. The bus showed up. It was one of these big, huge Greyhound buses. There were black lights in there. They had the music. Rare. Everybody showed up absolutely intoxicated. So by the time they got into the winery, it was like there was like 25 people just scurrying all over the place. And we were running around trying to give everybody a taste of wine, but everybody bought wine. And uh, so that was interesting. But more interesting than that, a couple months later, I had a retirement village call me up and they said they wanted to bring a group of you know, retired folks that live in independent villages. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to put a ramp in because I didn't have a ramp at that time. Mm-hmm. But as the bus showed up from the time the bus got into my parking lot and those folks came into my winery, I timed it. It took an hour and 30 minutes because they all had walkers and canes. But every one of those guys and they were all minimum age was 70 uh, every one of them bought a bottle of wine. So it was fun. And they, they keep calling me back on, can we come back? I'm saying, yeah, just give me enough notice. I do have a ramp now, so you're going to climb up. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it's really, sounds like it's taking off and really kind of, you know, it's something that like, like you said, it's, it's, you know, you, you, it's trying to retire and you know, you know, it's a lot of work, but it seems like it's, it's, you know, it's getting, well, business. you know, it is, um, the thing is, though, I, I get a lot of requests to do a lot of different events, carnivals. Uh, we do a farmer's market here in Blanchard. Uh, there's a, there's Magnolia and, and the little city by Blanchard that uh, they, they uh, raise alpacas. Mm-hmm. And they will call me up and we'll show up and we'll set up a little table and do wine tasting and sell wine. Essentially, it's an adult petting zoo. Yeah. People show up. 
all the alpacas are running around. You get a little packet of food and you feed the alpacas. They're all friendly and they'll spit on you once in a while. And then while you're doing that, you'll come over, get a glass of wine, buy a bottle of wine, take the bottle to your table, drink it, come back and get another bottle to take home. And so, yeah, but I, I do not want to get any bigger. I really don't. I really don't. I, I get a lot of requests to do different things, but I, I have to keep it, you know, have yeah. to keep it to where I can handle it. That's good though. Right. Cause then you know, you're, you're not in this to make a ton of money to build a giant business. Yeah. You know, you can, you call you, you can keep control of, of the amount that you're putting out there and also keep the control of the events that you're doing and how much fun you're having. Right. Absolutely. Just making people happy. Yeah, that's basically, that's kind, I'm kind of, I will actually have people, I'm on a county line road, very busy road. It's, we're in the boonies. I mean, uh, we're in the country, but I will have people that, customers that have come in it, that will sit down, they will sit down at the bar and they'll just chat, drink a glass of wine, tell me about their troubles. I feel like a bartender and, uh, you know, they'll just, uh, just want to sit down and chat and get away from the vigors of life. Um, so yeah, I've met a lot of people. I probably, probably more people know me on this road than anybody else. I can promise you that. Yeah. That's awesome. So for people listening, then where can they go to find the wine to, to maybe come to an event, you know, and set up something, maybe show up in a party bus, who knows? Uh, <laughs> no, tell them not to show up in a party bus, but uh, I have really uh, the only web page I have is on Facebook. Okay. And if you go to the angel farms and winery on Facebook, I will post uh, when I have certain different wines that I'm making, I'll post on that. And people, you know, if there's an event coming up, I'll post it on that. So if anybody wants to stay in touch with me or wants to know what's going on, uh, they can go on my Facebook page. Yeah. And as you know, we're also an agritourism location. So if somebody wants to come and pick blackberries, which please, please do so keep me from picking them, uh, just come out. They'll bring their kids. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, I'll give you little clamshells and you can pick all you want, probably eat more than you pick, but that's okay. Yeah. Great. But uh, yeah, so it's going pretty well. That's awesome. For people listening, I'll put that link to your Facebook page down so people can click on it and find you. Uh, Absolutely. Maybe see you at a farmer's market in Blanchard and, and buy some wine and yeah. support. Every Saturday from eight to 12, uh, right there on Highway 62, right in Blanchard. So we're starting to build up. This year, the city of Blanchard decided to really get involved with the farmer's market. Uh, we were on our own up until last year, but they're doing a really nice job. They got they set up the tents the night before. So all we have to do is show up, set our table up, put our displays. You know, because we also do a lot of jams and jellies. I also have beehives. Mm -hmm. So we have our own honey. Uh, we do um, bread and butter pickles, uh, salsas. Uh, we do a lot of different things just to keep things kind of interesting. Yeah, no doubt. That's really cool. And then keeps you on your toes. Yes, unfortunately, except when I'm doing a lot of quality control testing. Especially <laughs> <laughs> the moonshine. Yeah. I haven't. What time is it? I'm supposed to be doing quality control testing right now. 
<laughs> I got to do that before my wife gets home. Yeah. Well, Frank, thanks so much for taking the time out your busy day to share some stories and love knowing that, you know, you family came over from Italy and came down here from, from Rochester and, you know, you wrestled it over. Uh, may, I ask, uh, may I ask where you're originally from? Wales in the UK. Really? And well, I, and I came to play golf, so I, I same story. Uh, well, I'll give you a story. I, uh, when I graduated, I started playing rugby. Yeah. And I actually uh, was good enough to uh, have been selected to the U.S. Western Select Rugby Team, okay. which uh, the Western Division uh, in the U.S. And I uh, got to travel to Mumbles, Wales. Oh, yeah. We Mumbles Rugby Team that came to Norman. We hosted them and we played a couple games. And they then did finish their tour. And a year later, we went to Wales and they hosted us. So it was pretty cool. But I've been to Wales, Scotland, England, France, uh, played rugby in all those places. And the, the thing we realized very quickly was that rugby in Europe is like peewee football in the U.S. And when you see eight, nine-year-olds passing a rugby ball and tackling and you're going god i just started this <laughs> so but it was fun it was fun wales was a wonderful beautiful place it's a, I'm, i mean i miss i miss the the kind of topography and the ground and everything and the yeah yeah miss, so the bubbles thing was based on there's like two big hills right that's yeah. that's where the mumbles came from so we're one big hill i can't remember it's been a while but yeah good memories good memories yeah, that's really cool well yeah I'll, I'll let you get back to your quality control and hopefully i'll come out sometime and, and maybe see you at the farmer's market to come say anytime up. anytime you're always welcome thank you Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, I'll put the link to, to Frank's Facebook page down below and you can go check out some wine. Um, Good. Yeah. I'm, actually, I'm actually just in the process of making some eggplant parmesan. Okay. And uh, this is an Italian. Of course, I do a lot of Italian cooking. So get to it. Got to have it on the table before the wife gets home. <laughs> she flaps me around if it's not ready. Yeah. Well, mate, <laughs> I appreciate your time. I'll uh, have, a, have a great rest of your week and uh, and hopefully catch you in, in person soon. You got it. You take care, Mike. See you, Frank. Bye. Thank you. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agrotourism uh, for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.